You are listening to episode 162 of This is Type 1. Today we're discussing self-advocacy and how you can stand up for yourself when it comes to your type 1 diabetes. Before we get started, I wanted to mention that I was recently a guest on the Leaders Lab podcast with Dr. Charity Campbell, and we'll link to that episode in the show notes. And we talked about how managing your mind can help you better manage your business and your type 1 diabetes. It's also a good episode to listen to if you're newly diagnosed and paired with this episode on self-advocacy, it can help bolster your mental tools. So when are some times you might need to self-advocate? We've talked about this in previous episodes. The first things that really come to mind are your workplace and your school and your doctor's office. The workplace especially, you want to be able to stand up for yourself when you have maybe managers or coworkers who are maybe not talking to you with their like the best things in mind, or they might be talking to you condescendingly, or they might be putting barriers up to where you're not being able to take care of yourself effectively. And those are all situations where you would want to go talk to HR, or you would want to talk to your manager if it's a coworker doing it. It's just places that are difficult are sometimes more difficult to handle emotionally, because you're feeling like it's it should be happening a different way. And so recognizing the situations that you might find yourself in where you would have to self-advocate is probably the first step. Jesse, can you talk more about schools? Yeah. So when it comes to schools, when you might need to self-advocate is when a student might be picking on you, when somebody's saying something inappropriate to you, about you, and you just overheard it, or even a professor or teacher is kind of making some snide comments and or saying things that they don't necessarily need to be saying. In those kind of situations, you can either, I would say, first sending an email, if it's to a professor or a teacher, send an email first and then kind of have that, like, and just tag it at the end. If you're wanting more of a conversation, I'd be willing and open to that. I would CC either a counselor, a nurse, somebody who you can go verbally talk to immediately when the situation is happening let them know what's going on and then just be like, I just wanted you to know this is making me really uncomfortable. Here's my plan of action. And then from there, if it does continue either with another student or a teacher, they might get the principal, vice principal, dean, student services. There's reasons why we have people like that in our school systems and in colleges to help advocate for us if we if self-advocating doesn't work. So there's people that always back you up with that. And that would also be a good place to bring in the College Diabetes Network. If you have a chapter on your campus, they can really help uh, with advocating for yourself. When it comes to doctors, it's kind of more nuanced because you really need to have a level of comfort with yourself and your health to be able to stand up for yourself in a doctor encounter if you don't feel like something is right. If the doctor is talking to you in a way that you find disrespectful, then you you can always stand up for yourself in that situation. But it's less of a clear-cut line when you're not sure if the medical advice that they're giving you is actually accurate. And that's why we recommend getting second opinions for a lot of things. You can get a second opinion with an endocrinologist, too. You don't have to stick with that endocrinologist if you can get a second opinion for whatever you're dealing with. But knowing what your level of comfort is with standing up for yourself in any given situation, especially in the doctor's office, is really important. And it's also important to know that you might not know what that level is until you're in the situation. And so you might come out of a doctor appointment 
realizing that it did not go exactly how you wanted it to. And part of it may have had to do with you not standing up for yourself in that situation. But know that you can always go back to it and have a do-over, like we've said in a previous episode, is do it over, but doing it over with your best interests at heart. So when you're self-advocating, you're definitely going to feel really uncomfortable, or at least that's been my experience, is sticking up for yourself is an always a very uncomfortable situation, specifically for yourself and then for those around you who they have to acknowledge that they did something wrong and people sometimes are not okay with that. But you just have to be fine with kind of letting them know that they did something wrong. And being uncomfortable probably means that you're doing it right and for the right reasons. And like standing up for yourself in any situation, it's natural for human discomfort because we want to be accepted by the quote unquote tribe. And standing up for yourself means that you're telling somebody else that they have said or done something that you did not find appropriate. And that is risking rejection. So it's normal to feel really uncomfortable when you stand up for yourself. So don't feel like something has gone wrong. It just means that your brain is working exactly how it's supposed to. Another thing is your personal level of disgust. So I've talked about this before with uh, my weight loss journey, especially is the inciting incident for that was me reaching my personal level of disgust to change something. And that really helped me self-advocate because I knew what my limit was. I was not going to ever get to that weight again. And now that lets me make decisions that support my health long-term, even if it means making other people upset or doing or saying things that other people might not like. But that means that like for me, understanding what my personal level of disgust is was a big step in my own self-advocacy because that means I know myself better than anybody else does. And I think that's huge for any anybody to do is to f- learn who you are and understand who you are at the deepest level. Maybe it takes reaching your personal level of disgust, but maybe it just takes watching somebody else reach it and knowing that you never want to get there. And so what are you going to do for yourself to make sure that never happens? And then one big one is speaking with respect, compassion, and elegance. It's really big when you're talking to somebody, especially an authority above you or one of your peers, to talk to them with the respect that you would want to hear to, or the compassion that they might not understand and they might not have context as to why you're so uncomfortable now with something that they said or did. So just being able to be responsible and talk, not necessarily unemotionally, but understand that emotions can't play a huge part in the way that you're speaking to somebody. Yes, they are the, like the way you respond to somebody or something that somebody said, that's huge. Like that should be an emotional response, but explaining it has to come from a logical standing or else it might not come across as much or as well as you wanted to. And that just comes down to clear communication. And it really ties into the next one, which is managing your emotions so that you can speak clearly. That means you're, it's really a great idea to take a moment before you respond. So you're not responding as a split section reaction to an uncomfortable feeling that you're having, whether it's frustration or anger or irritation, which are all things that we feel on the phone with insurance companies. So don't get me wrong. I have those moments too. But sometimes we just need to take a breath and ground ourselves and remind ourselves that this is not the end of the world. I can figure this out. 
And I'm going to try to do my best to speak clearly and coherently enough that my message gets across so that I can get what I need out of the situation. And managing your emotions, it all comes back to how you're thinking about things. Insurance is a great example is we always get frustrated with insurance because we think it shouldn't be happening like this, or they should be covering my insulin, or they shouldn't take three months to send me my three month supply that expired three months ago. But when we think in that way, arguing against reality and feeling like things should be different than they are, that's just a breeding ground for resentment and anger and frustration and all the things that we don't really want to feel when we're on the phone with insurance. So understanding how to manage your emotions, figuring out what thoughts you can go back to to help you regulate those emotions while you're in the moment of self-advocacy, that's really important. And if you're struggling with that in particular, please reach out. That's something I can help you with as a life coach. Another one too is to remember that it's a continual process. So you're going to feel uncomfortable with different situations throughout your life. But the way you handle it is always going to be different depending on what happened, when it happened, and where. But the thing is, it's you're always going to be uncomfortable with something and advocating for both yourself and other diabetics and or people in your workplace or school life is always going to be continual and it never really stops. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's like um, an evolution. Another thing for self-advocacy is kind of weird to have on this list, but I like it. And it's celebrating the wins. A lot of times we just focus on what's the next thing I have to deal with, especially with getting what we need for our diabetes care. But when we take a moment to pause and celebrate that we actually have a lot of the things that we do need, or we had a success with an instance of self-advocacy, taking that moment to celebrate reinforces the neural pathways that let us do that to begin with. So if you have, like, if you have an instance where it took three months to get your supplies, I guess we're on the three month cycle today, but it t- if it took you that long to get your supplies, celebrate that they came, celebrate that the calls that you had to make, they all paid off, celebrate that you maybe didn't lose your temper when you were talking to the customer service rep, because we've all had that too. Just take the moment to celebrate and even beyond that, be grateful for what we we have. Jesse and I are kind of experts at stocking up with our supplies. So we kind of hoarded a lot of things over the years because we've had it for so long and we've had the ability and great insurances that afford us to be able to stockpile like that. So taking a moment to celebrate that we've been able to do that, that we have that gratitude for those supplies that we have. Maybe that means that we're able to support locals in need. That's definitely something we've done before is sharing supplies, even though some people would not like us to do that. That's still something that happens inside the community. And celebrating and being grateful that we have the ability to do that helps nurture all those positive emotions that we really want to feel when we're in in these situations. Small goals make big gains. And this is really true. And a good example of this is a small goal. I'm going to go to the gym twice a week. The gains that you can make from that, from either running more, going, lifting weights, or even talking to people just in the gym and like learning different things from them is enormous. You can learn so much from different people and their perspectives, not only mentally, but also physically. Like if you're going to the gym and you're lifting weights, I started out only going two days a week and now I'm bench pressing. Maybe it's not the greatest amount of weight, but I'm bench pressing 110, I'm squatting around 200 pounds and doing deadlifts that are like twice the size of me. So those little, that little goal of I'm going to go to the gym twice a week, 
that turned into me now going to the gym almost every single day that I possibly can and making the time to go. So even though it's small to begin with, that created that big gain overall in my life. And in terms of self-advocacy, where you can use this principle is what are the things that you want from the people you're talking to? Maybe it's accommodations at school, but you can't get all of your accommodations in one fell swoop. I'm guessing because I haven't actually gone through the process to get accommodations. So Jesse would know more about this, but you can make small goals along the way of, I need to talk to this person. I need to have this paperwork ready. I need to know exactly what I would need during a situation where I might need to take an exam later, or I need to have these things with me in class. So making the small goals along the way to the like the actual milestone that you want to reach, that can result in big gains. A lot of the time people get caught up in trying to make these really big goals, like I want to solve the insulin cost crisis, and then we get caught up in all of the politics part of it. But if we have very small goals, it can be just goals in your own life, goals in your local community. The smaller that you can get, the faster that those big gains are going to happen because you're not so stressed out about the enormity of that big, big thing down the line. And then slow down to speed up. So slowing down to speed up, this basically means taking a second to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and where you're doing it. Because when we get, I especially do this a lot, is when we get so caught up in the moment, we don't know what we're doing next or what the plan is or why we're doing the thing that we're doing that might not even have any consequence to five minutes from now, but we did it anyways, because why? So just slowing down and understanding this is what my diabetes is. Yes, my site just fell off, but hold on, let me go grab the right insulin and the right supplies that I need. And let me slow down a second to make sure that I'm mentally doing okay. Or do I need to take five minutes and go take care of myself versus, and then from there, then you can slowly progress to speeding up to where you were and getting things done quicker, better, and easier. That reminded me of before we started this podcast, I did not leave my sites on after I changed my site just to give the next one enough time to adhere. And I started doing that after we started this podcast because I then I, I learned you did that. And that has saved me now way more than I thought it would when I started trying sites on my thighs because I rip sites out of my thighs so much that I just stopped putting them on my thighs. <laughs> But if I didn't leave the old site on, then I would have to interrupt whatever I was doing to go and slap on a new site. Whereas now I can just take the sad dangling part of my tubing and clip it into the old site. So that happened a couple days ago with my last thigh site for a while. Ripped it right out almost right after I put it in. And I just, I just reclipped my tubing into the site on my back. So. That was a really good example for me of slowing down and not tearing the old one off so that I can speed up later. I really like that. And now I have one last pro tip for you. This is for probably the most common situation you'll have where you'll need to self-advocate is talking to insurance companies, third-party suppliers, anybody who you need to get on the phone with to get something that you need, whether it's a pharmacy, insurance, blah, blah, blah. Write down the details of your phone conversations and keep them all in one easily accessible place. So the next time you need to call them, you have record of what you talked about the last time with the previous representative. And the key here 
is to make sure you write the name of the representative you talk to. And while you're talking to them, use their name in the conversation. It creates a connection with that person that they probably do not hear on the regular. As customer service representatives, they are used to having really irate people talk to them. And if you can be that one person during their day who is calm, respectful, uses their name, says thank you, and all of those just common decency things that we typically throw out the window when we're really frustrated about our diabetes lives, if you can be that one person, they can probably help you a lot more than if you're agitated. It goes such a long way with building connection and empathy. And bonus, if you have to call back again and you can use their name as the reference, you might be able to talk to them again if something is not happening well with the person you're currently talking to. So just keeping records of who you talk to, when you talk to them, what you talk to them about, what the resolution was going to be, all of that across the board really helped, not just for insurance companies. But also really helped when I had to call my bank several times. <laughs> Back when COVID happened, we had to cancel flights and that kind of stuff with Chase Travel Rewards. I, I, I took a lot of notes and talked to a lot of people to get things figured out with that. But that is uh, self-advocacy. Jesse, do you have any final thoughts on this? Just stick to your guns and know that even if people start questioning you, you're not wrong. If it made you feel uncomfortable or something happened to where you definitely know how you felt, just stick to that and don't let them change your mind. All right. Now it is your turn. Think about what situations you might find yourself in over the next month where you'll need to self-advocate. How can you prepare yourself now so that goes smoothly? Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Are you ready to feel better with type 1 diabetes without changing how you manage it? You too can go from resenting the highs and the lows to never again feeling like it's dragging your emotions behind the worst roller coaster ever. It starts with a free call. Ready to live your life without worrying about what your CGM says? Head to inspiredforward.com coaching to get started.